This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. If you follow business news, you may have seen the stories surrounding the investment price of Bitcoin and the fact that it has been soaring. Bitcoin has been around for some time now, but for the most part, it still hasn't garnered the level of usage as some around it would have hoped. Still, it is a chance to innovate the world of finance. Likewise, many other new ideas have the chance to innovate and produce shifts in industry and build blockchains. But can blockchain truly work? The question may be one of trust. Wharton professor Kevin Werbach recently discussed the impact of blockchain while uh, down in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill as part of a program that the Penn Wharton Public Policy Initiative has put together and how it may affect public policy in the future. And Kevin is joining us here in the studio right now. Good to see you. Good to be here, Dan. Thank you. Um, the, the use of blockchain, though, and we've talked with uh, other people about this uh, before, seemingly it has the opportunity to have significant growth going forward, correct? Oh, absolutely. This is a foundational architecture. It's a new, broad approach to network-based infrastructure that can be applied to just about anything. So you mentioned the the price of Bitcoin. And what gets a lot of people interested that aren't familiar with the technology uh, is just that, is this is an investment product, and I can buy Bitcoin at $200 and then sell it later at $1,000. That's interesting, but it's uh, fairly small. And uh, in some ways, we seem to be having a bubble with a lot of people who really don't understand the technology at all going and buying this thing just because it's going up. The potential, though, of the underlying technology that makes Bitcoin possible is huge. There are a lot of people out there, speaking of Bitcoin, that actually think it is a a currency, like something you can you can hold in your hand. So to a degree, Bitcoin itself, you know, as a platform, as, as something like that, you have to you have to still have the understanding of what it is. Well, how many people that use money? really understand the theory of finance and what money is. So um, to use Bitcoin as a currency, you don't necessarily need to understand the technology. And and frankly, if you're just investing and you're looking for a speculative investment class, Mm -hmm. an investment opportunity, and you can do a technical analysis on the price, you don't need to understand the technology of Bitcoin necessarily to do that. On the other hand, if you're uh, saying, well, gee, I think this is going to go to the moon because it's going to be the new currency that everyone's going to use, and you're making certain assumptions about its application, its security, and its growth, and so forth, and that's the basis by which you're putting your life savings into something, well, that's problematic. You mentioned in your your address down on Capitol Hill about the element of trust in this, and this goes uh, a ways back. Go into that a little bit because trust in 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 this type of kind of genre uh, seemingly is probably a little bit hard for government entities, even corporations, to be able to 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 give forth. Well, let's start with money again. So yeah. you look at uh, the bills in the United States, and they've got a legend on there that says "In God We Trust." Right. But that's really not what what's going on, right? If you're saying I'm going to spend money, it's not because you're religious or you believe in God or something. Right. No, but fundamentally, 
you believe in the United States government that ultimately it's going to stand behind that transaction. Right. You got to have some level of trust to know that this is a dollar bill that I'm going to exchange for something of value. I can actually buy something with it versus just a green piece of paper. Right. Um, that's trust underlying the monetary system, but trust underlies a whole lot more. Um, all of our relationships with organizations and with the government as well as relationships between parties, uh, transactions that go on in the market, right. depend on some level of trust. Um, and the basic idea is that blockchain, which is the underlying technology that makes Bitcoin possible, but a lot of other things as well, um, I think is a new architecture of trust. It's a new way to make a transaction trusted. I can mm -hmm. believe that this will happen in a uh, trusted, uh, effective way without necessarily having to trust any of the individuals or the organizations who are part of enabling that transaction. Right. A true level of transparency. Well, that's another part of it. Yeah. So one aspect of the technology of the blockchain is that it uses what's called a distributed ledger. Yeah. So the idea is basically you've got a bunch of parties that are doing something. And again, this could be anything. This could be money or this could be, for example, I was just reading today about uh, advertisers online talking about using a blockchain network to deal with fraudulent online advertising. This could be hmm. a loyalty point system. This could be banks doing transactions. Well, we talked about anything. in the past with the, the music industry Absolutely. and how that is changing right. because of, of the licensing agreements and, and yes. people being you know out there you know making this music and making sure they're being compensated for it. Right. Anything where you have a shared truth, where you've got a bunch of entities that have to agree on some information, yeah. that's something that in theory you could put on a blockchain, which is a kind of shared database. Uh, and it's potentially transparent because, again, everyone's seeing the same thing. Right. And that has a lot of value. And you mentioned why it's interesting to governments. Uh, well, for one thing, so much that government does is based on trust. And, right. and quite frankly, part of the crisis that we're in now in this country and around the world is because there's been such a tremendous erosion of trust sure. yeah. in government, in corporations, in the media, yeah. across the board. Lots of studies are showing that. Um, blockchain potentially offers a new way to create a trusted environment for transactions. And so uh, people tend to think about, oh, Bitcoin, it's this thing that's outside of the government. It gets used for drug deals and so forth. It's, <laughs> it's inherently a threat to government. Yeah. It's actually a tremendous opportunity for government and policymakers to create new trusted environments. But you, for them, you, you, and part of the reason why you no doubt had this uh, discussion down at, at Capitol Hill is the fact that the majority of people that are on Capitol Hill, Capitol Hill don't have the understanding of what this could potentially do and you know, the, the, the potential for change of policy here moving forward in the next couple of decades. Yeah, there's there's two pieces to this. One is the question of law and regulation applying to Bitcoin or to blockchain-based transactions. So there's right. a whole set of legal questions, which Congress and the various regulatory agencies like the Comptroller of the Currency and the Securities and Exchange Commission and so forth are starting to look at, as well as their counterparts elsewhere in the world. So those are things like, all right, if I if I hold, buy some Bitcoin and I buy it for $200 and then I sell it for $1,000, is do I have a capital gain? Right. What, what are the tax implications of that? Um, a whole set of issues like that. W what about the companies that I'm, I'm buying and selling it from or the companies that are uh, creating digital wallets that hold my Bitcoin? Are those money transfer agents? Are they banks? How are mm -hmm. they regulated? Companies are doing now what are called initial coin offerings where it's sort of it's an ICO. It's like an IPO. Oh, yeah. Instead of issuing stock in your company, they issue these coins, which are they're digital tokens hmm. on a blockchain, 
So they're not necessarily Bitcoin. They're, they're a different kind of token, but they represent an asset in your system. And so lots, a number of companies, startups, have raised 10, 20, 30 million dollars in the oh. last couple months just offering these coins. So question there, is that a securities offering, which is sure. a particular regula regulated thing under US laws? Whole set of questions like that. So that's one set of questions that government, Congress is starting to think about, uh, although it's, it's moving really fast. There's another set of questions which actually I'm more interested in, which is less about how do you regulate these things, but how do these systems, the blockchains themselves, act as regulatory entities? How do they govern hmm. activity, which comes back to this notion of trust? Well, and, and I guess to a degree, then you're you're putting control or that, that trust in the system itself and not necessarily in the hands of, of other people, correct? Absolutely, although yeah. it turns out, as always, to be more complicated than it seems. And uh, what I've been talking about in my writing, and I have some law review articles on, on this, I'm also um, working on a book about this, what I've, what I've talked about is it's too simplistic to think uh, these systems get rid of the need for having law or having government. Right. Um, it's also too simplistic to say they're just going to fail because eventually the, the power of the state or the power of corporations is going to triumph. There, there's going to be a mix of both. And what we need to understand is where can these technical systems solve problems better or more easily than traditional legal regimes, and that's right. very much a reality. Where actually are there problems they can't solve very well where we need to have a backstop? For example, if, if someone puts their life savings in one of these initial coin offerings yeah. and it's a scam, yeah. is it okay to say, well, you shouldn't have invested in something crazy like that? We would never say that no. in an IPO, right? No. We would say, no, they've got to have a prospectus, they've got to comply with, they've got to comply with SEC rules and so forth. Yeah. And if that's misleading, then those um, people making the offering have fiduciary duties, they have responsibilities. Um, why should it be any different if what you're getting is a token as opposed to a share of stock? Right. So there's a whole set of questions like that. And what we need to understand is what things go on one side of the line, what things go on the other side of the line, where do we need more experimentation? We're joined in studio by uh, Wharton professor Kevin Warbach. Uh, he uh, we're talking about blockchain and uh, how blockchain could be changing a variety of things moving forward. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Unfortunately, with a lot of these things, though, Seemingly, the government or whoever it may be, the companies themselves, to a degree, aren't they playing catch up in terms of trying to understand this and where this could potentially be moving? Because to a degree, this is still a, a basically a brand new concept to them, whether it be the, the idea of blockchain or, as we were saying before, you know what actually Bitcoin is. You'd be surprised. So really? we generalize about the government. And you've got to realize, that even if you're just talking about the US government, we're talking about thousands and thousands of people and yeah. dozens and dozens of organizations. So um, do most of those people understand the technology of Bitcoin? No. But um, do most of the people at Goldman Sachs understand the technology of Bitcoin? No. Yeah. Um, yeah. And those are the ones who are the most sophisticated. Or you know, do most of the people um, at Microsoft or at Google who are very technically knowledgeable understand Bitcoin? No. Um, there certainly is a gap. And as I said, a lot of these things are happening so fast, like these, these ICOs, these coin offerings. Um, have just blown up in the last six months or so. There's right. hundreds of millions of dollars raised well before the regulators have even uh, taken action on, on where the line should be drawn. Sure. That's potentially a problem. But it's not that 
the regulators are incapable of understanding it. Okay. Uh, if you look at, for example, the central banks, the, the Fed in the U.S. and other major central banks in the United States, they have all been looking at Bitcoin and blockchain technologies for years. Okay. There are white papers out of the U.S., uh, out of uh, various European countries. Uh, the People's Bank of China has been doing mm. a, a virtual cryptocurrency, a, a Bitcoin-like currency experiment. Um, so I'm not necessarily saying that they've all worked it out or they all understand it fully or all the governments are doing the right thing. Right. Um, but look, everyone knows technology advances, and I think we tend to give short shrift to think that that you know, no one in government is capable of having any clue about this. But it, when you think about the, the use of this type of system uh, moving forward for whatever the entity might be, we mentioned music and obviously there's a variety of other uh, areas as well. Uh, I, I would think that, that probably when you're on a, a unified system and obviously the, 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 the transparency that the, is there, that the costs associated with a lot of things end up being lower and that, you know, companies or, or whatever entity might be ends up seeing a benefit from that perspective as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's lots of benefits. And that's why this is getting adopted. The, the initial push behind Bitcoin came from uh, a group of technologists and financial experts who wanted to create a private currency that was outside the scope of governments. Yeah. It's gone far beyond that. I mean, that community is still there, but the adoption is happening because big companies, including very established financial services companies, are saying, yeah. wow, this is an opportunity for us. Uh, you take just take Wall Street. Uh, the the retail trading that we do uh, and that uh, institutions do that that's very sophisticated and automated and so forth. Yeah. But you you look below the surface. You look at, for example, the settlement process. So all of the transactions that are happening constantly every day, the reconciliation process to understand at the end of the day who owns what. Right. Yeah. Um, you dig down. It's not quite still being done on paper, but it's pretty darn close. There's a whole lot of these mainframe computer systems that are actually getting things wrong or that are slowing things down or that are inefficient behind the scenes. So yes, there's a tremendous opportunity for cost savings and efficiency gains and automation potential, um, but there are also problems. Uh, and the fact that you can digitize some pieces of it with a blockchain doesn't mean you digitize all of it. Right, so, for right, example, we yeah. talked about buying and selling Bitcoin. Well, if you've got an exchange that you're using, right. I put in dollars, I want to get out Bitcoin. I put in Bitcoin, I want to get out dollars. Well, that's a centralized marketplace. That's not a cryptocurrency. That's not Bitcoin. Yeah. That's uh, just like a currency that says, I put in dollars, I want to get out euros. Right. There may yeah. still be inefficiencies and so forth at all those centralized points on the network. So how much development do you think there really needs to be still? I mean, how if we're you know, going 1 to 100 here, how far along in the process are we right now? Oh, two, maybe three. Oh, wow. Uh, this is yeah. early. No, I mean, look, Bitcoin, uh, I mean, the, the Bitcoin paper that was first published in 2008 was based on a lot of pre-existing uh, cryptography research, but but that was the, the starting gun, to that late 2008. Yeah. So we're nine years in, eight, nine years in, um, but but really the, the real advances in this technology are, are within the last five years. Yeah. It's growing explosively. So no, it's very much like, Take some, pick some number in the mid to late 1990s and say that's where the internet was. And, yeah. and I remember yeah. being on the internet. I was at the Federal Communications Commission talking about government doing internet policy in 1994, 95. Right. Um, and that was very early. And we all understood that people working on the, the internet at that time, it was going to change the world. And we were involved in it, but most of the world wasn't. It was still, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 million people on the internet, not 
five billion or something like we have today. Yeah. That's where we are with blockchain. It's it's huge. It's a big deal, but it's just getting started. What's your expectation then in terms of the growth of uh, of the use of blockchain here in the you know in the next several years? I, I mean, seemingly there are sectors that out there that that see the value of using it, you know, for a variety of different reasons. Uh, but it almost feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that with the successes that are there, and obviously there's still a development process that needs to happen, that there are benefits that companies, organizations, sectors see that other entities will be joining in on this in the years to come. Oh, absolutely. So we're seeing now a whole set of pilot projects. Pick any of the top-tier financial services firms. Pick any of the top-tier global uh, retailers, transportation logistics companies, and so forth. Um, virtually all of them are doing serious exploration of blockchain-based solutions. Yeah. Now, how soon they'll go into production and exactly how that look remains to be seen, because there's all kinds of competitive dynamics here as well yeah. uh, in terms of you know who is advantaged and not. But but clearly there's going to be that large-scale investment. Most of that's behind the scenes, though. Right. Most of that are things that, that have vast amounts of money at stake, right. but they're not. it's not as dramatic a change that instead of paying for dollars, you're going to pay with Bitcoin for something. Right. Um, the real kind of transformative opportunities. So, you know, will companies primarily fund themselves using these tokens, the, yeah. these coin offerings versus stocks? Um, there are arguments that that's going to happen. There are arguments that it's just a better way, and at some point in time, that will be the norm and not the exception. That's going to take time. And that'll shift Wall Street. Like Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, but, that's but you incredible. know, what? But you know yeah. what? Think about how far Wall Street has come in sure. 200 years. Yeah. Wall Street's good at shifting, um, and and I'm not you know, I'm not making a prediction about it's going to be five years, ten sure, years, yeah. twenty years. Yep. Directionally, you can see where it's going to go, and there's going to yeah. be ups and downs. I mean, there's going to be you know right now we are clearly seeing a bubble in the prices of things like Bitcoin. Right. Yeah. Um, that's going to crash at some point, not because it doesn't work, but because things that go up tremendously don't stay that way. Right. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people are 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 just waiting for the other shoe to drop, where the the Bitcoin prices, you know, the fact that it's over three thousand dollars right now, and the fact that it's it, you know, gone up what double uh, or triple here in the in the last several months. I mean, it's 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 just the process of what investment is right now. Right, and when you have something that has gone up that fast, and there's lots of evidence that uh, people are buying on margin, which of course is a classic yep. red flag. Yep. People, uh, you know, in China who are not very sophisticated investors who are just looking for some other asset class that they can invest in that gets right. away with the regulation, they are investing a lot in Bitcoin. All of these things suggest that. Something will happen to scoop, spook the market, right. which doesn't mean that Bitcoin just doesn't work or it's or it's hacked, right. and that's going to cause a crash. In the long run, we'll look back and that'll look like a blip. When that happens, it's going to be a big deal. But uh, when you think of blockchain overall, I mean, we're talking about uh, truly we're talking about a mind mindset shift here. You know, in, in terms of of what we are going to know as kind of the processes of doing business or you know moving forward with currency whatever it might be in the next few years this is this is going to be a mindset shift that so many more people are going to be really involved in in the years to come. Oh, yeah. No, I, I had the same reaction to this when I first started to understand it that a lot of smart people did. So uh, Reid Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're a smart person, too, uh, Well, I don't know. I, you know I, I, I try to be. Um, but, um, but but you also you look to what other people you respect think. So so right. um, you know, Mark Andreessen, the creator of, of Netscape yep. and yep. Venture Capitalist, Joey Ito, yep. the head of the MIT Media Lab, Reid Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn, all tremendously successful technology futurists uh, in 
investors and so forth. All of them said the same thing when they understood Bitcoin and blockchain. They said, this is the internet again. This is okay. a foundational technology. It will take time to unfold. We don't know exactly how. There'll be ups and downs, but it's going to change the world. It's a basic shift in how we do things, and it's got this tremendous potential, and that's what's exciting about it. I, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, but you know that doesn't mean if you're saying, well, at, at what point will this particular thing change, or will this sure. be the right yeah. solution, or yeah. you know, what what are the can't platforms going to be? Can't put a timetable on it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you can. I mean, if you want to make a bet, if I'm a venture capitalist, then I've got to make a bet about that, sure. or I'm a, I'm an investor. That's fine. Um, but I'm looking at it at the general level about what does this mean for business? What does this mean for law? What does this mean for society? Yeah. Uh, and uh, directionally, I think it's quite clear where this is going. Great seeing you again. Thanks, Kevin. You as well. All the best. Kevin Werbach uh, joining us here in studio. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.